Welcome back to another episode of Our Maryland's Politics and Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Leatherberry. Political advocacy is a collective effort. The 2008 election changed the way people interact with their elected officials with digital outreach, aiding in on-the-ground mobilization, and political engagement. As we've learned over the past year, another important aspect of continued political engagement is representation. In 2018, 10 years later, we saw an unprecedented number of people of color, women, and citizens of all ages running and winning in local, state, and national elections. Maryland was no exception. One person who understands the importance of all people having a voice and a seat at the table is now Senator Corey McRae. In January of 2015, Corey McRae, born and raised in Baltimore, was elected to the House of Delegates for the 45th District. Four years later, he's assumed a new role as senator of the same district, moving up the political ladder with the support of hardworking members of the community that he grew up in. Today, we sit down to talk to Senator McRae about why he chose this political path, his drive for effective leadership, and his plans for continuing to work within and for his community. Senator McRae, could you introduce yourself? Uh, Tracy, first, thanks for the opportunity to be able to join Al Maryland in the podcast. Uh, as stated, my name is Corey McRae. I represent East Baltimore, Northeast Baltimore in the Maryland State Senate, the 45th Legislative District. Uh, I live in the Overly community. I live there with my wife, Demetria. I have four kids, Tracy. So I got a Kennedy, a Reagan, a CJ, and a Bryson. And um, I'm an electrician by trade out of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, small business owner. But most importantly, I got my training wheels in the House of Delegates in 2014. In 2018, I just finished my freshman year in the Maryland State Senate. You've had quite a quick climb. We'll get to some of that. I was looking at your website, reading a little bit about you, and one of the taglines that you have is a leader who listens. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that means and why it's important in politics today? Yep. See, the only reason why we got into the House of Delegates is because we knocked on 15,000 doors. And the only reason we made it to the Maryland State Senate was because we knocked twice as many, 30,000 doors. But during both of those times, one of the things that I believe that we did very well was we listened to the community that we were wanting to represent, seeking to represent. And Tracy, I'll talk to you about something that happened just last night, just last night, and I think you'll understand why a leader that listens is so, so important. So I remember about five or six months ago, I'm on the 1100 block of Darley Avenue. And I knock on the gentleman's door, and he's a veteran, he's a retired worker of the city, and when I knock on folks' doors, I let them know who I am, but most importantly, I say, if you have any concerns or issues, please let me know. And when I knocked on his door, he was very, very, and I'm not sure if you know East Baltimore, but he was very East Baltimore-ish, and he said, you know what my problem is? And he said, we ain't got no trees. And I looked up and down the block. I looked up and down the block, and I didn't see one tree. So I'm from Baltimore, and we think a lot about economic justice, we think about good jobs, we think about good wages, but in the legislature, it teaches you a lot of things, and one of the things that you also learn about is environmental justice, in reference to how trees can help you with air, um, how a high population of our communities have asthma. So at this point, I knew, I was like, wow, I'd always heard about this, but I'd never really, we take these things for granted, and I'd never really seen on this whole block, you didn't have a tree. 
So let's get the last night. About 8, 8.30, I remember that I knocked on this door. And I remember that the city and Blue Water Baltimore had committed to making sure that they were going to get trees on that block. And I was like, I never really followed up to see if they actually did what they said they were going to do. They had committed to it, but let's make sure. I got to the 1100 block of Darley Avenue. I took a picture. I got to show you on my phone. And I saw that they had planted the trees. And I knock on 1119 Darley Avenue, and I say, we got them trees, didn't we? And he felt so good, you know, just to make sure that here was a problem. Small, people think about crime, people think about education, big complex items. But here, all he wanted was trees on his block. And I think that that's an important part of listening to make sure that we address issues. That's a great story, and you don't see that a lot with politicians. And as a leader, it seems like listening is important. Um, but how did you get into politics? Why was that an avenue that you chose? See, I tell folks that I found it by accident. I'm born and raised in the city of Baltimore. I graduated from Fayetteville, Hartford, and I come out of a generation like many of my other folks. They say, as long as they leave me alone, I leave them alone. So I didn't take the route of going out to vote immediately after you get uh, out of high school, you turn 18. I didn't start voting until I was about 25, 26. So if anybody looked me up in the van file, they'd be like, oh my God, Corey wasn't a regular voter. <laughs> you know, so, 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 but one of the things that you realize, especially as you excel, you do well in life, I realize that each and everything that we have, a lot of times what surrounds it is politics. So the wage that I was making, because I was an electrician, those wages wouldn't have been about if we didn't have prevailing wage, if we didn't have these things that were put in place before our time to help address these issues. I think about speed bumps. The reality is is that we always think it's political. We think about if uh, B our BGE lights go out, if they come back on in two days or two weeks, you know what, it's political. So when we saw the political issues that weren't being addressed in the community, we could either stand idle and yell about it or we can actually get in the game and do something about it. And that's what drove me towards politics is a level of service that I knew my neighbors deserved. I know you said you didn't start voting until you were about 25. Mm -hmm. You're in your late 30s now. Mm -hmm. um, my first question is a little bit more about your Baltimore story. Mm -hmm. I had looked on your website and seen that you knew about apprenticeships. Mm -hmm. Is that mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little bit about how that also influenced um, your desire to get involved? Yep, yep. It, it, a great question, and I say it's a great question because I just got finished uh, at Patterson Park High School, and we were doing mock interviews. And one of the things that the young lady said to me, she says, well, I don't know what I'm going to do after I graduate from high school. And she felt really challenged by that and I was like well it's no need to feel awkward about that because most people are in the same situation and then I started to tell my story um, I'm born and raised in the city of Baltimore which I stated uh, and when I graduated from Fayetteville Harford we called it the Toot Fayetteville Harford Institute when I graduated from the Toot I didn't know what I was going to do either and one of the things that I'm lucky is that I had a mom that never gave up on her son so I remember I, I'll, I'll save you the, the stress about hearing my story in reference to the trouble I got in but I think that at a critical point my mom called the Department of Labor License and Regulation, which for short, in the state of Maryland, we call it Dollar. And when she called Dollar, she said, I want every apprenticeship in the state of Maryland. Can you send it to my house? And the big Manila, big old envelope come, and she says, Corey, I want you to go fill out applications. And I, I'm so lucky because I got accepted into the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. But what that did, it took me out of the small four-by-four four blocks that I knew, and it expanded my opportunities to so, something so much more in reference to just... And I, when I was talking to the lady at Patterson Park, the young lady at Patterson Park, I said that we are kind of the company that we keep. 
So if we're limited to this scope of just these certain individuals, then we really can't see past that unless we're like reading about it or things of that nature. But that apprenticeship put me around so many people that were doing other things than what I had known about. And then that was a real big driver of the force. And really, I, 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 I laugh and I keep sharing stories, but last night we had a retirees meeting. And these are folks that are about to retire within my local union. And this guy that walks up to me, his name was Ed Sheck. And I remember Ed had caught me when I was 18 or 19 years old. And at first I didn't immediately, because he caught me off guard, I didn't think about like, man, that's Ed Sheck. But when I, when I, when I, when I uh, recognized it and when I started to digest what had just happened, I had to walk back over to him while he was sharing his meal. And I said, Ed, I'm not sure if you understand the impact that you had on my life in reference to the importance of showing up on time, the importance of giving eight hours work for eight hours pay, in reference to the work ethic that I now have at this moment. So, so when you talk about like how did that apprenticeship impact the life that I have now, we both laugh because they said we never thought that I would be in the real estate senate because of it, but the that these small opportunities that our young folks need and that we have to make sure that we put ourselves in vulnerable moments to let young people know, no, I was in your situation when I was 18 or 19 and it's nothing wrong with that. And I'm glad you brought up young adults and, and the youth. Over the years, we've seen varied involvement of young people in politics. Um, what sort of message would you give to perhaps get a young person engaged in the type of work that you do? Uh, I think that is very important. And I, I, I didn't learn this until maybe uh, several years after, I, we call it topping out, but I graduated the apprenticeship. And I didn't realize that the healthcare opportunities that I had, I got four kids, I told you that, but I always got a $25, $30 bill that's coming to the house because of it. And I got good healthcare. And I think about the wage, we started off at $12 an hour, $3 raises every year until we hit the $30 an hour um, raise. And then hopefully when that time comes, as I talked about, like Ed, I'll be able to retire with dignity. But what I would tell to young people is that the things that we have in place um, didn't just come out of nowhere. And as I talk to young people, and I'm talking to Cub Scouts, I'm talking to high schoolers, I'm talking to all these young folks, I just try my best to stress the importance of the political environment that we're in and also the piece of giving back. So I feel like I was telling each and every one of those high schoolers that I was doing with the mock interview, I have a responsibility to ensure that you have a path, whether it's apprenticeship, whether it's higher education, but use me as a vehicle to help open those doors because I do believe that that uh, is, especially when you live in my district as a young person that lives in my district. So that's one of the things that I would share. It's important to know these elected officials because they can help open doors for you. But but also to engage in politics because some of the policies that are protecting our parents, our grandparents are being removed and taken away from us. And some of the things that are being in place that are being, you have to get in the game. And I always say that diversity is very, very important. So we talk about ethnicity in reference to diversity. We talk about uh, gender in reference to diversity, but another piece of diversity that's very important is age diversity. We have to have young people in this conversation as we're making policy decisions to make sure that they don't get left behind. One of the greatest things that I always like to remind folks and I always end whenever I give a speech, I'll say, you're not sitting at the table, you're on the menu. So if young folks aren't sitting at the table, if they aren't engaged in this process, then a lot of times the policies that we put in place are going to be a disadvantage or inadvertently hurting them. You mentioned some of the work you did this past session. Um, as many people know, we've covered the Fight for 15. Mm. You were the sponsor of that bill. What 
pushed you to decide to sponsor that bill and, and be an advocate for it? You know what? So for folks that know Corey McRae, they would say that he cares about people that have a good living wage jobs. And I think about how the wage, and you got to keep in mind, so just so that you fully understand what I'm talking about, I represent the 45th Legislative District. And when we talk about poverty in the city of Baltimore, we're talking about one in four families that live in poverty in the city of Baltimore. But when you think about that one in four, you're talking about almost... 40-some percent in McElderry Park uh, levels of poverty, concentrated poverty. We're talking about almost 50% in uh, Berea. Poverty is a very, very big issue. And one of the things that frustrate me is that I know that some of the parents, the single moms, the single dads are working two or three jobs just to be able to sustain. And I know that that's not normal. Young people that's walking themselves home, they're seven, eight, nine years of age, and they have to uh, go home, they lock the door, and their parent won't come home till seven or eight o'clock. And I know that that's not normal and that's not the way life should be. So we should be looking to address these issues. And I'm so glad that my 46 colleagues in the Maryland State Senate, the 141 colleagues, and the Maryland General Assembly um, saw can see so far ahead that we have to look at the wages that people make because this is such an important issue. And I'll tell you a very, very funny joke, Tracy, and I'm going to leave it at that. But each one of my freshman years, so when I was in a, uh, my freshman year in the Maryland House of Delegates, I worked on voting rights. And I worked on restoring voting rights to those folks that are on parole or probation. And unfortunately, the governor vetoed my bill the first year that I'm uh, in office. And I would say that at least I didn't break my streak, and I'm very consistent. The governor also vetoed my bill when my freshman year um, in the Maryland State Senate. I'm just uh, glad that I have thoughtful enough colleagues that when we need three-fifths of the body to be able to override a veto, that we were able to get there. You mentioned a couple of things, um, voter rights, some reforms. Moving forward, what are some of the most pressing issues in your district? You know what? If I could talk about this legislative session, and I think it is very, very important that legislators are very intentional in reference to the policy um, that they do and also in reference to the budgetary issues that they do. So my thing is always about equity. So when you think about the city of Baltimore and the challenges that we face, a lot of times the challenges that we face, or, the th or, the, or just so that you can understand the full context, the places that are giving us the most problem is the 7th, 9th, 12th, and 13th district of the city of Baltimore, Councilmatic. And that is the heart of East Baltimore and the heart of West Baltimore where you find the concentrated poverty, the vacant homes, high unemployment, um, and so many critical issues um, in our neighborhood. So I felt very proud in reference to the budgetary things that we were able to conquer by bringing money to the Great Blacks and Wax Museum, by bringing money to the Roberta's House. But one of the things that I really, really feel good about is that we didn't have a supermarket on Harford and Federal for the last 10 plus years. It was It's a stop, shop, and save that's abandoned right now. And before that, it was a super pride. So we were able to restrict $200,000 out of the state budget, the $46 billion budget, to incentivize that owner only if they open up a healthy food option, they will be able to get that money. Um, that is the things that I think that we have to be intentional about, and we have to make sure that we're setting up those decisions to be able to help the communities that need it the most. Policy-wise, when you talk about the Fight for 15, we're talking about 537,000 people across the state of Maryland that's affected by this piece of legislation. You're talking about over half, so 55% of them are women, over 50% are minorities, and I think it's important to recognize that we were very intentional when we pass that piece of legislation to kind of make sure that everybody think that people need uh, these handouts. But I always tell folks, you don't need a handout, you need a hand up. And you need a hand up in reference to this opportunity to be able to move forward. So those are some of the things that I think about and just making sure that I can be intentional in reference to these policy decisions, but also the budgetary decisions too.
and you alluded to this, I know that, again, on some of your materials, you talk about resources mm -hmm. and equity. What have you found are the challenges to that since you've been in the legislature? I, I, I think the diversity, so I'm going to go back to this point of diversity. I think that when you talk about the General Assembly in 2014 and our House of Delegates, we had a major shift, and they hadn't seen that type of shift in the Maryland House of Delegates, and I believe it was in the 90s that they had seen over 50 new legislators come to the Maryland House of Delegates. And then this year, this current cycle that we're in, they had never seen this this many senators come. So I think that as you push in that direction of electing a more diverse body in reference to ethnicity, in reference to more women elected, uh, in reference to age diversity. So these this new body, just in the last five years, you're talking about over 50 plus uh, members of the Black Caucus. You're talking about more women than we've ever seen in the Maryland General Assembly before. We're talking about the first, uh, my friend Harry Bandari, the first Napolese, that's in the uh, Maryland General Assembly. So we watch as we're breaking doors, we're reaching ceilings that we've never reached before. But I think because of that, we're talking about better policy. So when you talk about better policy, I think that you get to a greater solution in reference to equity because it's easier to have those conversations with people that identify. And, and I'll go back to it with a lot of women issues. It's important to have women because I can't have that conversation for you. And I think that we have to have women at that table. So I think our listeners have probably gathered a lot of this already, but you were called one of the most effective legislators in the entire state, and this was during your time in the General Assembly, I believe. How do you think you've earned that, that title, that reference? You know what? One of the things, and especially as I tell Kennedy, I tell Reagan, CJ and Bryce are too young, they five and three, but Kennedy and Reagan, that you have to make every day count. And I think that when we wake up, I didn't run a lot when I was in the general assembly because they was always overworking us. But when I'm home, I do start my morning making sure that I have a fresh perspective on my mind, but I exercise uh, pretty good. But I think that the most important thing, and young people, and I was one at one time, we think that money is the most important thing that we could do. That's not the most important piece. We think that the relationships is not, the what do you do with your time and how are you helping others is the greatest asset that we have in front of us. And we have to make sure that we look at that, we zero in on it we stay focused um, on that piece of the puzzle so that's what drives me and I think about our young people I think about our seniors and I think about our vulnerable communities that don't have the opportunity to help themselves but it's our responsibility to make sure that we break each and every door open for them so whether that's called the most effective that's how I live my life and that's what I feel very good about and I feel very motivated about it we know that we have um some primaries coming up soon mm. on the national scale and that the Democratic Party is sometimes split up. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Would you consider yourself a progressive lawmaker? I think that I am in reference to the policies that I put forward and being very intentional. So I think that many folks will put me in a uh, um, category as being a progressive, yes. And it seems like you've opened up a lot of doors for folks and I'm sure that with the work you do in Baltimore you'll continue to do that. Um, I want to take a second to thank you for joining me today. Um, nope, I'm pretty you excited. You know, Tracy, I'm just excited to be able to sit across here. I think that this is how movements start. So I think that as we think about how we communicate with voters, how we communicate and engage young people, this is the method and these are the, the metrics that we need to be putting in place. So I thank you for the work that you're doing. I thank you for the work that Al Maryland is doing. And I say keep being a driver in the state of Maryland. Great. Well, we'll Certainly have you back on to give us updates. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. That was Corey McRae, Senator for Maryland's 45th District. If you want to learn more, visit his Facebook page at 
facebook.com forward slash elect Corey McRae. As always, thanks for listening to the Our Maryland Politics and Policy Podcast. See you next time.